The Film Guide with Sam and Chris, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to the St Albans Film Guide with Sam and Chris. I am Chris, a local film fan, and we are, of course, joined by Space Doctor Sam Rolfe to uh, tell us all about the new films in the cinema, uh, films new to streaming, pick of a, a horror movie for Friday Fright Night, and her pick of films on free-to-air television for the coming week. Hello, Sam. Hello there, Chris. How are you going? I am doing all right, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Excited for this week. Well, yes, so what is in the cinemas this uh, week that people can go see? We have got June. Oh, yes. And that is not the month of June. That is as in Sand June. Yep. D-U-N-E. And this is, uh, well, it's a book. It's been a film already. I assume it's it's a reboot opposed to a sequel. It is, yeah. It, so, yes, it's based on Frank Herbert's Dune, the book. Um, that's, you know, massive sci-fi classic. Uh, I have, I've not read it myself, um, but yes, initially um, adapted by David Lynch in the 80s and now Denny Villeneuve, director of uh, films such as Arrival, and um, Love Blade that Runner movie. 2049 has uh, taken a crack at June this time with an all-star cast. Mm. Maybe I'm incorrect here, but my understanding was that the movie, like you said, in the 1980s, wasn't so well received. It's it's one of those mixed ones. You know, David Lynch is a is a director that sort of polarizes anyway. He's got a very specific style and sensibility that is not everyone's cup of tea but it's you know it's it's campy and it's you know extravagant and strange and you know some people love it some people think it's terrible i can't possibly comment i've not seen it properly um sure i do i do love that this massive sci-fi spectacular uh set you know in 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 Plants far away with with all sorts of alien races and creatures and things is about a guy called Paul, his <laughs> main character. Well, there was a whole movie about an alien called Paul. Called Paul. That's true. That's so true. Maybe it's, it's a very common, common name, name throughout the uni- throughout the universe. That's true. Common name. I mean, it seems like an exciting tale. Uh, Travelling to a dangerous planet, the most dangerous planet, in fact. Yep. Um, and the word malev- uh, mal- mal- I can't say it malevolent, malevolent. malevolent. You know that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I have no I I have no idea about the storyline at all. Um, can you tell? And uh, I have seen the trailer a couple times though, and it there seems to be sand. So yeah. the the title is fitting. There is much sand, yes. So, yeah, quite exciting, quite exciting. Like I said, all star cast, you've got Zendaya. Yep. Jason Momoa. Yep. Timothy Chalamet. Yep. I don't, I, do I Do I know Rebecca Ferguson? I don't think I do. You, you do, you do. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who's in the most two most recent Mission Impossible films. Uh, you've got Oscar Isaac, uh, Josh Brolin, Thanos himself, Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, Dave Batista, also you know Drax, the Destroyer from Guardians of the Galaxy, as many other things. So yeah, but pretty pretty exceptional cast. Mm, exciting. So yeah, catch that one at, at the cinema near you. 
Yes, a slightly different film. If you don't fancy sci-fi epics uh, and you wanted to go for adaptations of um, Broadway musicals, you can go to Dear Evan Hansen. Now, before we were recording this, I was telling you about Dear Evan Hansen and the... You were. It's It, it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival earlier this year. Um, TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival. And there were a lot of reviews coming out uh, at the time suggesting it was basically this year's Cats. Now, obviously, Cats came out a couple of years ago. Big computer-generated spectacular of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical in which weird humanoid cats who were like weird, like weirdly sexual cats and stuff mm. were dancing around and showing each other their bums and... It got terrible reviews and it basically when it came out, it seemed unfinished and rushed. And yes, it's gone down in history as being um, quite quite the flop. Dear Evan Hansen is a Broadway musical which stars Ben Platt, who actually was the original star on Broadway. And he's Ben Platt is 27 years old and in the film is playing a high school student. And Evan Hansen is an anxious, uh, isolated student who is um, he he's told to start writing letters to himself as a sort of you know by a therapist to help him you know, understand himself and like get through. He uh, one of these letters is stolen um, by a kid who then uh, kills himself. And the family find this letter that Evan had written to himself called, it was entitled Dear Evan Hansen. And they assume that their son, who had killed themselves, was actually friends with Evan. And they didn't think he had any friends. And so rather than disabuse them of this fact, he says, oh, yeah, we knew each other. And he basically builds up this this lie, this fantasy to 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 basically make the family feel better. But also he suddenly has people who are interested in. It's complicated by the fact that he is attracted to this poor man's younger sister. So by lying about his relationship to this uh, her brother, he starts romancing the, the younger sister. Uh, all the while played, uh, like I said, uh, by a 27-year-old man um, who has like weird... Some of the pictures from the film are genuinely quite creepy because they've given him this bad hair, like teenager hair. And I think they've sort of given him some makeup to suggest like, oh, he's obviously got smoother skin than he does. And it does not work. I have to say, have not seen the film, but from what I can see, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things wrong with it. Well, I'm upset then, Chris. You're upset, are you? Yes. Because I see Amy Adams' name on the cast list. Yep. Oh, it's got a great cast. Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Caitlin Deaver, Amanda Stenberg. And, but uh, I'm upset if, if she's in a bad movie. I'm upset about that. Well, it can't all be winners. And beforehand, like I said, this was an incredibly successful Tony Award winning musical on Broadway. And sometimes they, they go over very well and sometimes they can't. Sure. Sometimes they're cats. Yes. I think like, yeah, I guess it's like with any adaptation from either, you know, anyway, books to movies, theatre shows to movies, 
and then you know you have novel novelizations of movies back into books and all sorts don't you so it doesn't you know yeah you can't win them all like you say no it's it seems to be some of the reviews have been not so savage but there have been quite a lot of ones that I suppose if you can like put aside the fact that yes he is an older person who's not a teenager playing a teenager interacting with people that are playing age appropriate and if you can put that aside perhaps it's fine I don't know like you say I think the problem comes with the actual subject matter itself sure as well as so if it had been you know because there are plenty of rarely does a high school movie actually cast high schoolers you tend to cast older actors because they're more experienced they're better actors but you know some can get away with playing younger you you know Greece is full of you know 50 somethings playing uh, (laughs) teenagers what (laughs) they've you know they they all have basically have you know three kids at that point when they're playing uh playing teenagers in Greece but they all look. They all look like that, and it's yeah. kind of you can suspend your disbelief. And you know, also growing up in the fifties, it was a rough time. It was. It's um. So, but anyway, we should move on. That that is dear Evan Hansen. So another movie coming out this week is the French Dispatch. Yes, a Wes Anderson pick. Tilda Swinton's there. Second film this week, uh, starring Timothy Chalamet. He's been busy. He has. Well, obviously, these these are all films that were delayed from the pandemic, and they are, are now they've sort of built up over time. So they are all coming out now. Yeah, classic Wes Anderson. In that it's got an all star cast of you know, Benicio del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leia Seydoux, Francis McDormand is in there, Christoph Waltz, Timothy Chalamet, and it's a it's a, a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that begin, brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch. So okay. the trailer suggests classic Wes Anderson, uh, sort of whimsy and, and comedy and drama and, and cinematography and the like. Certainly one to look out for. And if none of those catch your fancy, or maybe you've got young children, or you just enjoy an animated movie, then uh, get ready for... Boss Baby 2, Family Business. This time it's personal. Uh, yes, <laughs> Boss Baby 2. I don't know if there's anything we can particularly say about Boss Baby or Boss Baby 2, having not seen the first one. No. It's got Alec Baldwin as a Boss Baby. Mm. What more could you want? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like if you've seen the first one, you'll know whether you want to see this one or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, I guess we'll leave it there and back in just a moment with new to streaming. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for the St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Right, so part two is new to streaming. Sam, what's new to streaming? Turns out, Chris, there's nothing particularly noteworthy. Cool. 
Right, we'll be back in a second for part three. We'll be talking Friday Fright Night. Part three, Friday Fright Night. This is where Sam picks a... Well, the previous month, you picked a horror movie to watch and discuss this month. So can you remind everyone what you picked last month for us to watch? I can indeed, Chris. This is a movie called Jennifer's Body uh, out of 2009. So, you know, what is that? That's that's like a whole decade ago uh, and a few more. Um, Twelve years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I, uh, other than the fact it's a horror, obviously, for Friday Fright Night, uh, I also picked this movie because it uh, supposedly had not terrible bisexual representation in it. Yay! So, because last month when it was your pick, you you picked this partly because it was was it bisexual uh, visibility week? Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, the so- specific the sp- it was the same week as um, yeah bisexual visibility day on the twenty third of September, yeah. and then you know just we'll just take a month uh, around that roughly as well and <laughs> celebrate, um, yeah. and then go back to being invisible for the rest of the year. So yeah, it's a good superpower. So, Jennifer's Body, written by Diablo Cody, uh, Oscar winner Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno, among other things. Indeed, uh, yes. And directed by Karen Kasama, who also directed, among other things that you might have seen, Destroyer, starring Nicole Kidman, that came out a few years ago. And it stars Megan Fox as Jennifer of the eponymous body, and uh, Amanda Seyfried as her best friend, Needy. Um like from the start, I'm going to say. So we've 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 talked about this before. How I'm I'm a big old wuss, but you know I've been really I've been making a lot of effort recently to watch more horror movies. Mm-hmm. You and, certainly have, and um, put on my big boy pants and really step up. They're the waterproof ones, aren't they? They are. <laughs> they they need to. <laughs> well, not waterproof. They're absorbent. Um, sure. And I I would say. This didn't really scare me that much as a as a horror movie. If you're looking for scares, mm. I would say it was not particularly frightening, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent, and I don't know why I hadn't seen it. Well, it got quite, quite heavily slammed, I believe. Uh, early, it got quite mixed you know. reviews when it first yeah. came out, from what I could tell. Yeah, I guess they just didn't enjoy it. They didn't see it for what it really was. It wasn't trying to be particularly serious. I don't think. No. Um, it was yeah. It was quite fun. It was like it was those obvious horror moments where it's like, don't go into a darkened house down an unlit street where it's clearly a trap. You know, <laughs> like oh no, but the character is just gonna continue doing that despite you yelling at the screen. They can't hear you. I I enjoyed. I think what I enjoyed most is that a lot of the characters were quite well written out and you you understood who they were, even the sort of secondary ones. So you actually cared when they snuffed it, for instance, mm. some of them. And they weren't just sort of like, you know, whatever, you know, faceless teenagers or whatever, mm-hmm. or just, just a name. You actually, they had a bit of a personality, you knew something about them and it made it a bit more 
like personal. And so basically, we should probably explain the basics of the plot. Yeah, probably give it a go. Jennifer and Needy, uh, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, are best friends. They've been best friends since childhood. They're in high school together. And they, like Jennifer's the sort of, she's a very popular cheerleader. All the guys love her. And Needy is a bit more sort of, you know, shy and you know nerdy and she's she's got a boyfriend called chip and but they're they're still best friends and they go to a gig together at this bar and during the gig a fire breaks out there's sort of a horrible tragedy and as they're escaping uh, the the band offer to take jennifer like in their van away and then she goes away with them and then basically from the next day she is she is a changed woman there's something horribly wrong with her and needy's trying to work out what it is basically yeah and it's i think from reading a few of the, the few of the reviews about it from from the time that Diablo Cody, for, you know, she like I said, she wrote Juno, which was very popular. Obviously, won an Oscar for it, but it was had a lot of like teenage speak and like slang and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the teenagers speak in a very specific way. And I think a lot of people, it's whether they could get on board with that or not, that they spoke in this this way. Which it, I think, especially today with slang as it is and has changed you know because obviously i'm i'm cool i'm down with the kids i know words um <laughs> but i think <laughs> teenage slang has moved on and it sounds it d- can sound outdated some of it now i don't know if you you agree that maybe you mean within jennifer's body opposed to within Juno. jennifer's body yeah. sorry and, and, and you know sure. probably as well hmm. it is 12 years old yeah the way they were talking it, I think, yeah, I guess it did feel slightly dated in that respect, but you can kind of, yeah, you just, you know, it's a teenage mood, like it's, it's set in a high school. So yeah, you just let that part wash over you if you can, like it, it's not that, I don't think. I think, it, I don't know if it's maybe if like, if we were watching a film from the nineties that was set in high school, you'd be like, oh, it's the nineties. This is mm. fine. But like 2009 seems recent enough that, but yeah, sure, language, language, especially for younger people, changes. God, it sounds so old. All <laughs> this, all this slang that the young, the young people are There's using. There's young ones. The young ones, the youth. It it changes so quickly. I have worked in schools as well as having gone to school. And what? Yeah, I know. In the length of time between going to school and working in school, yeah, there's a whole new language basically for mm-hmm. kids. And then in, even within the time of working in schools to then stop working in schools, that language like evolved even in that time and changed and morphed and things. So I think it's sort of some of it could sound a bit weird to our elderly ears. <laughs> I think it's because we um, lose all those frequencies as well, doesn't help, does it? 
Yeah, you just can't hear the younger people. Yeah, it's it's very tricky. What are they saying? Is we stick a horn in our ears that we uh, have to point towards the screen and... (laughs) So... (laughs) So... I, I read a little bit more about this as well, and sure. to, to sort of pick up on a little bit of your point uh, about how old we are. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> which point? Which point then? Regarding sort of, um, I suppose, like target audiences and stuff like that. I suppose uh, if you're thinking about like language and how it comes across. Yeah. Uh, so this is from a a blog by Doctor Horror. <laughs> is, that, is that their real name uh, i think so so the blog's called office hours with dr horror and it's a, a, a social scientist um who uh, writes about horror movies um and the title of the, the the page is called i can't believe it's not bisexual jennifer's body 2009 um and so i'll link we'll link to this in the uh in the show notes if you're if you're interested in having a read and yeah, so they they explore the reason why maybe it wasn't so well received early on uh, when it came out. They say like, and I've talked about this before about women writing women's stories and directing and and so on and so forth. So this is unusual one because it's written and directed by women, yep. uh, and two, it's a horror movie written and directed by women because I think you would find that that's an even smaller number compared to the broader genres uh, across um, across the movie world. However, you know, men uh, who control the money in Hollywood just, you know, couldn't possibly, you know, it couldn't, there couldn't possibly be an audience for this kind of movie. So instead they decided that they would apparently market it to teenage boys, of course, um, who, uh, so there was this... Uh, within the movie, uh, Megan Fox and uh, Amanda Sieg- Siegfried. How do you say her name? Siegfried. Siegfried, thank you. I will never know how to say it. I apologize. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of a spoiler. Uh, so skip 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this bit. Um, they do actually kiss in the movie, but Needy has a boyfriend and they also kiss. And, you know, it's not an extreme close up for 30 seconds. Um, whereas. Jennifer and uh, Needy uh, kiss in it and that's put in the trailers out of context and so then the the audience that they market it to are then go to the movie and end up hating it because it's not about it's not just about two women kissing surprisingly um, mm. there is like other stuff going on that was a major issue because obviously they're they're not marketing the movie and then having the the subject of the movie and the wider, broader plot of the movie is like completely disconnected. Yeah. It is a tricky thing in how certain movies are sold and or like advertised to, mm. to people mm-hmm. because and I'm sure I've done it um, as well, where you go into a movie and it happens with other media as well, going to to books and things like that, video games, TV shows, where you think it's going to be one thing, mm-hmm. and it turns out not to be that. But because it isn't that, you then are annoyed. You're like maybe not in the right frame of mind. You you sort of think you're just annoyed. Like, oh, I was expecting this thing, and it's not that. And then you you 
stop being able to like critically judge it object like you it could still be a really good movie which Jennifer's body I think really is like I said I thought it was excellent I thoroughly enjoyed it and but I didn't really know a huge amount about it going into it necessarily yeah I um, mean I didn't other than you know when I explained in the last uh, episode of uh, when I was yeah when I picked it that I found it based on the based on its sort of bisexual representation within it so other than that that was all I really knew but I think you then you know need to then watch those sort of movies again knowing what they're about uh, if you if you haven't been put off entirely mm-hmm. and give them another go sort of with your judgment realigned yeah basically yeah exactly four out of five stars for me oh very exciting my, it's my official chris chris's star rating for jennifer's <laughs> body four out of five stars lovely to go into it a little bit further um we can do a little timestamp here just for a few more minutes skip the slightly more detailed discussion go to 29 minutes and 10 seconds in terms of the sort of monster slash horror slash possession theme i guess that runs through yeah um jennifer you know she seems to it's noted that she appears pale and, you know, she's not really put her, she's not got as much makeup on or whatever. See, she look, her hair isn't as glamorous as it normally is. Yeah. And, uh, she's talking about being hungry and such. Um, and the first night after, uh, the initial tragic fire, um, she turns up at Needy's house, doesn't she? Um, very, and is very, very ill. Uh, which then, do you remember? Yeah. Then uh, Needy spends like all night cleaning up, right? Yeah. Um, but then pops in and Jennifer seems like she's been attacked. Uh, she's got blood on her. And like I say, she's quite ill, spreading lots of black goo everywhere. Then next day at school, you know, after this horrific incident that's happened, you know, everyone's just back at school, you know. <laughs> 2009 none of this grieving process or counselors or whatever uh, back to school kids jennifer turns up and she's very chipper she's looking good she's got color in her cheeks her hair's beautiful um she's like kind of bored by the fact that this horrible thing just happened to them so in order to sort of stop the hunger yeah she uses her good looks to yep. sort of seduce various members of her school community. Um, well, actually, all of them are male. Needy is confused because a, many of them are actually people that she's, like, never spoken to or, like, would not act, would not normally sort of ask out on a date or anything like that. Mm. So this is like deepening the mystery for for Needy, and she ends up finding Jennifer like bloodied and <laughs> all sorts a few like a few times, doesn't she? Um, and then like mere hours later, she's like fine again. It's your classic. One person seems to know that something's going wrong. Well, because that's one of the jokes is that um, 
she's like, Jennifer's evil. And her boyfriend's like, yeah, I know. But like, and then she's like, no, not not high school evil. She's evil, evil. <laughs> it's like every everyone knows that Jennifer's horrible. Yeah. Even though she's Needy's best friend, she's that is that is one of the sort of dynamics that I thought was interesting because you you do you don't get to see a huge amount of them before like pre possession. No. As a, as a, I would have liked to maybe see a bit more of their of their friendship. And to see whether, like, they truly are friends, or whether, you know, it's just that they've Needy's the only one that puts up with Jennifer and her BS, or yeah, whatnot. Weren't there a few flashbacks to them being friends when they were really young? Yeah, they were obviously friends when they're from childhood. Mm. But it's whether you know, obviously, everyone makes friends when you're sure. six, and then you turn into different people. I think but... that that was meant to be in place of that sort of longer intro maybe to try and provide that context that they've been friends for a long time they're like best mates yeah but maybe just sort of more you know as them as teenagers yeah but i mean it's a minor minor quibble so one thing before i give my my uh sort of fear factor rating is you know i mentioned about the sort of bisexual representation and everything in that uh, because bisexuality is not often represented well um, in in media. Often, you know, they're the evil one, the greedy one, the cheating one, um, all this sort of uh, stuff that's completely untrue about um, people that are bisexual. Um, and representation is is changing slowly, but it's quite slow. So yeah, is this is this a good representation? So. If you remember from last time, Chris, uh, the Ranker article that I that I originally found this, which was at number one, sure, as having positive uh, lesbian and bisexual representation within it. Uh, so this had eighty eight upvotes to seventeen downvotes as being positive um, okay. in terms of its representation. So you know, small numbers, but reasonably more upvotes than down. Even though we see Jennifer, obviously seducing lots of of men her high school companions like it, it, she appears very sort of heterosexual on the surface um but they jennifer and, and needy are clearly like very very close in in that respect um and there are like a few sort of slurs in terms of other students calling them out as being you know potentially sort of in love with each other and therefore they're using these slurs to sort of highlight that. So yeah, I thought like uh in terms of that language wasn't wasn't so great, but that that is the kind of stuff that happens in high school. Yeah, right? I mean that, so that's just it, that's just high school kids being being high school kids, yeah. Um yeah. terrible people. <laughs> yeah. And I think like hopefully and that happened a lot when we were at school for sure. Um using sort of gay as a as a negative yeah insult and hopefully now that is changing a lot obviously i don't i'm not in school at the moment i can't say but we've got a few teachers in the family and sort of relationship and uh, sex education is is a lot more open compared to what it was back in our day (laughs) when we were back in the black and white days of the 90s and early 2000s yeah where heterosexuality or nothing was the message but yeah so 
even though they don't actually ever use the word bisexual in this uh, Jennifer does claim that she goes both ways at, at, at one point in the movie so yeah that is a very potentially subtle but not so subtle message and obviously that is in the binary and bisexuality isn't isn't doesn't necessarily mean just men and women it's the ability to have an attraction to two or more genders so that yeah so i think like other than it being not super explicit that jennifer specifically is bisexual i mean is it not is it not fairly explicit when they kiss one another and both seem to enjoy it and yeah. at the same time have both been shown to have relations with men and enjoyed those too yes it is chris you're that, entirely correct that makes it fairly explicit in my book that part yes but i think at the same time you know we can look at movies like cruel intentions where they where sarah michelle geller and what's her face uh you can get there i really won't dark hair lady <laughs> selma blair yeah selma blair also legally blonde um yes they also have a, a woman on woman kiss they're not i don't think it that they're meant to be i think it's like like hypersexualized um Okay. Yeah. What's the word? Yeah. Like titillating and stuff. Yes, thank you. So, and that that happens a lot in in films as well. So, I think it could be read either way. And so, I think the yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that impression from Jennifer's body. No, not from yeah, not necessarily from yeah, so. that, but like because of the wider media context. Context. I yeah. think like because even if like the fact they clearly were enjoying the kiss and other like interactions between them are clearly loving in terms of their relationship that's a different thing but using words like bisexuality and so forth need to be needs to happen more often rather than to like make it clear that it isn't just for titillation's sake or you know it is a real thing that people experience but yeah i would say otherwise a good representation especially for 2009 but people want to know, Sam, how scary is it? For me... Your fear factor. I would give it a 5 out of 10, which is possibly very generous. I would say maybe it doesn't even... It's quite gory in, yeah. in sort of places. The reason I gave it that is because... And now I'm thinking maybe it needs to drop down to more like a 4 because I gave like Mara 6. The reason I gave this a 5 slash a 4 like a four plus <laughs> okay i don't know 4.5 uh, sure why, why are you adding pluses into this i don't know why not system? <laughs> why not was because <laughs> was because of the reason that she ends up with this possession and it's just like a really it was the fact that she is like kidnapped and sacrificed in a ritual gone wrong for, which is like something that could happen i suppose <laughs> why are you laughing there are plenty of plenty of the fact that she survives obviously is the horror movie part and becomes possessed and like <laughs> reaps her revenge yeah but like in real life there are plenty of kidnappings and killings <laughs> like that happens sacrificial demonic killings yeah yeah i mean yeah. maybe it's a little bit in satanic That's panic yeah. outlook but so, just the the human on human interaction in the movie where you know they are sacrificing her for their own gain 
otherwise it's not really scary. Okay. So that was Jennifer's body. Where are we going for next month's Friday Fright Night? It is spooky season, Chris. Yes. We're not quite at the 31st, but it is October. So if we're going to do a horror movie as we do every month, uh, why not pick a really scary one on purpose? Yeah. (laughs) So, well, not that I've seen it, so who knows? It might not be that scary. It is Audition. Original 1999 Audition. So... This is a rarity because this is a horror movie that I have seen and that you have not seen. Yes, it's very bizarre. This is when I was going through, because it's a Japanese movie. This was uh, when I was going through a phase in my sort of teenage years where I was like, I'm going to watch a lot of Asian action cinema and horror cinema because that'll make me cool. Did it work? I mean, look at me now. I'm co-host of a local film podcast. (laughs) Check you. Check me, yeah. And I married a babe. And yeah, so th- this is one of the films I, I saw. And uh, I'm interested to see. So I don't know. This, I was actually having a discussion with some people relatively recently about films that I had seen as like a teenager. who was maybe a bit too young to like understand like cinematically. Like, I saw The Godfather when I was a teenager. And I think maybe I was too young to like appreciate it. Same with things like Raging Bull and sort of other sort of classics like that. I think as an adult, I might be able to appreciate and understand better. It's like a red wine, isn't it? Yeah. Like when you're younger, like no one likes red wine. And then you come to appreciate it when you're older. Okay, there you go. Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull is like a Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, I've never seen that, so I can't compare it to a Cabernet Sauvignon. It might be more of a Merlot. Well, we'll... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're getting vastly off topic here. Next month, we will be discussing Audition from 1999. It is available on Shudder, uh, which is a a horror channel available through uh, Prime Video. I believe you can also rent it via Prime Video if you aren't subscribed to Shudder. It's possible that given, you know, closer to the time of Halloween, it's possible that it could come out on Netflix. They tend to add these sort of movies throughout October. But yeah, I think it was only a few, like a pound or two on Prime Video to rent. And uh, to give it a brief uh, synopsis, a widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special audition arranged for him by a friend to find him a new wife. The one he fancies is not who she appears to be after all. Dun, dun, dun. And this has a four out of five skull rating on Shudder and 7.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb. So... I did check out the ranker list of scariest horror movies ever made and it isn't on there. But I would like to raise the point that all of those movies were very Western and so I think perhaps it was missed out because of that. Maybe. But we will discuss that in a month's time. Next up, we will be discussing Sam's pick of films on free-to-air television for the coming week. Welcome back to part four, where we talk Sam's pick of films on free-to-air television, uh, starting with tomorrow evening, Saturday, 
sorry, not evening, afternoon, Saturday the 23rd of October on the Horror Channel at 3pm we have... Bermuda Tentacles of 2014 fame. This sounds terrible. What's it about? <laughs> Why does it sound terrible? No. Bermuda Tentacles on the Horror Channel at 3pm in the afternoon. It's going to be bad. Well, okay, fine. I mean, <laughs> users of tvguide.co.uk only gave it 2.1 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but it does star a legend. It does. This is why I picked it, Chris. It stars Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor herself. So this is I, I just I don't know. I feel like those seven users that rated that movie just <laughs> didn't The two point one is out of seven users. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's bad. I mean it's no IMDB. To be fair, I didn't check what it was on IMDB, but so I don't know. The a president's plane crashes in the Bermuda Triangle and there's navies and then some kind of terrifying monster. I'm assuming there are tentacles involved. It just I don't know. It seemed like the kind of thing that could be so bad that it's kinda of good. Like, you know, Mega Piranha starring eighties pop sensation Tiffany. Well, I can tell you on on IMDb it has uh, an IMDb rating of three point five out of ten. Well, you know, and that's with three thousand reviews. So it's up on its on its average. Okay, <laughs> so, so people don't want to watch Bermuda Tentacles at three, and maybe want to mm-hmm. stick for the Horror Channel <laughs> immediately after Bermuda Tentacles. Guess what we're doing what on the- Saturday, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> what is going to be on the horror channel immediately after Bermuda Tentacles? It's not safe to go back in the water, Chris, because why is why is it not safe to go back in the water? It's not two-headed. It's not three-headed. It's not five-headed, but a six-headed shark attack made in 2018. Okay. It's the fourth movie in a series. Okay. I can I, it's a quadrilogy. Um even though it's about to be a quinilology because in the making is seven-headed shark attack. But back in 2014, I think, or maybe it was slightly earlier, Carmen Electra starred in Two-Headed Shark Attack. And since then, they've just thought, this is really the thing. This is, you know, this is pure gold. We're going to keep making these sharks with more heads each time. Skip out four heads. That one doesn't matter. Go straight from to five from three. It just, it seems like this kind of sort of gold, these like really, these Zed movie, you know, Sharknado, Giant Shark, Shark versus Mega Octopus, you know, style. And they just keep getting more heads, Chris. Okay, but if someone on Saturday wants to watch a horror movie that might actually be like good, what can they watch? They can tune in to the horror channel. Stick on, just put it on the horror channel, leave it on all day. At 9 pm, you have Mama, which Jessica Chastain in, yeah, a great movie, definitely worth a watch, highly rated. I'm sure much, much better than both Bermuda Tentacles and Six Headed Shark Attack. But having not seen any of them, I cannot really truly <laughs> comment. I have seen Mama. I remember watching this because I remember you not watching it with me. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, I. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I thought Jessica Chastain was a mate was like she's always brilliant, but she was yeah, she was pretty good in this as well. And yeah, so I would recommend that. I haven't seen the other two, but um, you know, for some fun kick kick back on the sofa Saturday afternoon viewing, I think I think that 
Bermuda tentacles and six-headed shark attack are going to be excellent viewing. Thank you very much. Okay, moving on to Sunday. Uh, at 11am on Film 4, we've got the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. I ran out of time to figure <laughs> out, is this the second or is this the original one? You're asking me this now, are you? I'm asking you right now, Chris. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you don't know, off the top of your head, don't worry about it. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I picked this because the SpongeBob movie, whether I think this sounds like it's, I don't think it's the first one. It's not the first no, one. The I first think... one is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. There you go. From from two thousand and four. Wow, really? Sponge Out of Water is the second one. Yeah, two thousand and fifteen. Sponge on the Run was released earlier this year. Ah, well, I picked this because it's SpongeBob. SpongeBob's always fun. It's you know, it's got humor in there for adults and children, and and yeah, I don't think you can go wrong. So of a light relief after your horror day on saturday sure thing uh then at 245 on great movies we've got splash yeah 1984 supposedly classic i haven't seen it myself tom hanks falls in love with a mermaid yes tom hanks does fall in love with the mermaid is it um yes oh my days go on you can get there yeah i i had dear listener you you may have noticed that Dr. Rolf has a an issue with name recall when it comes to She's accent. in Kill Bill. Hannah. She is. Oh, Daryl yeah. Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Hannah. There we go. It was as soon as I started saying her name, it it just zoomed out my brain. Yeah. So as I understand, it's a good movie. I've heard people say things about it that are good. And so <laughs> like sometimes I like I wanna pick movies that I think people might have not like myself i've not seen this it's an opportunity that you might not otherwise get it might not be streaming on netflix you know and you, there's no blockbusters crush you can't just pop down there and watch get the video out anymore oh blockbusters there's only one in the world now you know? is there really yeah. <laughs> last blockbusters in the world is in america somewhere i think well, good luck to them. That's all, all I can yep. say. I'm sure you know when the apocalypse come and the internet goes down, will they'll be springing back up? Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. So at nine p.m. on Film Four, also on Saturday evening, we have the Bone Collector. Mm, Angelina Jolie is collecting bones. <laughs> <laughs> is that the plot? I think so. Yeah, this is uh, got Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington. Denzel, who plays quadriplegic forensic expert Lincoln Rhyme. Great. Um, again, this sounds like uh, it's one of those movies that you sort of hear a lot about when it came out, and I missed I missed seeing it at the time. So I think it's one of those that people might be interested to have a look at. Well, I mean, it did come out in 1999, so you were but a teen. True, true. I watched movies then, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't doubt it. You know, I'm not accusing you of not watching movies as a teenager. I'm just saying that maybe the Bone Collector was a bit outside your uh, 12-year-old interests. I don't know. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. Uh, so Tuesday, 26th of October, also on Film 4 at 9pm, we've got Black Klansman. Yeah, see, no, we haven't seen this, have we? No, we I haven't. haven't. You haven't. I mean, I haven't, you... so. Yeah. I haven't, you haven't. No, I haven't, you haven't. Stuff. No, no one's seen it. No one. No so, one. but you've mentioned about wanting to see it. I know. 
Yes. Um, so part of the reason why I picked it, Chris. Mm. And it's based on a true story yep. of, I think it's someone infiltrating uh, the KKK. and Yeah, it's basically, I mean, in this case, it's, it's two police officers, uh, one of whom is African-American, the other who I think is Jewish, um, basically infiltrating the Klan in America. And obviously hard for an african-american to infiltrate the clan yeah they basically he does a lot of the talking over the phone and stuff and then they send the other guy um played by adam driver in to actually sort of be the undercover in meetings and stuff yes it uh, directed by spike lee and it was a yeah quite a big film nominated for lots of oscars when it came out in 2018 so yes i would very much like to see this good pick thank you thank you got to make up for six headed shark attack somehow well yeah then uh what's this uh next very interesting one that i'd never heard of on wednesday 27th of october on london live at 11 p.m k shop now that sounds like a high quality sort of film that came out in 2016 what's k shop about i'll have you know chris four I, votes I know, I know what you're gonna say <laughs> four votes on tvguide.co.uk users Voted this movie 10 out of 10 stars. Yep. So I think that this could be a hidden gem. Okay. Hidden gem, Chris, that I have found for the listener. All right. So I'm I'm going to read the um, the description here for the listener. Mm, please. This 10 out of 10 film. A Bournemouth takeaway owner despairs of his drunken, abusive customers and is finally pushed to the limit when his father is killed in a violent altercation. He begins murdering the people who make his life a misery and disposes of the bodies by making them into kebabs. Horror starring Reese Noy and Ewan McIntosh. So, it's it's a Sweeney Todd for the... But based in Bournemouth instead of London. generation. I don't know what generation we're in. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've gone from Millennials Gen Z, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, which is the TikTok generation, yeah. Sure, okay. Um, I don't. I don't specifically think it's a, a TikTok generation. I mean, it's this the the takeaway owner. He must be at least eighteen in order to own a takeaway. No. True. And when did this film come out? This was twenty sixteen. It's five years old now. So yeah, no, no TikTok five years ago. Mm-mm. So I don't know. I just I I saw it there. It sounded interesting in terms of yeah. It's it sounds a little bit Sweeney Todd, but set modern day and. It's sort of a British. It's a British movie set in Bournemouth. How many movies are set in Bournemouth, Chris? None. No, where there one <laughs> set in Bournemouth? No. So yeah, that's those are my picks. They might all they might all be duds. I don't know. Get in contact, please, uh, Sam at stalbanspodcast dot com or Chris at stalbanspodcast dot com, telling us whether they were indeed duds or. Well, the best movie you've ever seen, or just just generally a bit of a surprise. We'd love to know your thoughts. Also, let us know about uh, your thoughts on Jennifer's Body or Audition or any of the movies we've talked about today. That's uh, Sam at St Albans Podcast and Chris at stalbanspodcast.com. We will be on air in a couple of weeks together once again with uh, where I'll subject people to my picks of free-to-air uh, TV films. But until then, thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Chris. And tune in next week to hear Howard Linsky and Danny Smith talking films. Indeed. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.
<laughs> I just remembered there's nothing. <laughs> and then like, just back in just two, a moment. New streaming. Nothing. Right. Back in a second for part three. You must have thought of something to say to actually say, right, timestamp, because you were going to talk about spoilers. Yeah, I know.